Welcome back to the Project 24 blogging podcast. This is episode 200. We made it. We made it. (laughs) Yay. We have balloons and confetti and cake. Lots of cake. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, there's Uh, Sorry. Maybe later. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's Nathan and I right now, and we thought uh, with episode 200, we would take a little look back because it's always good to see how far you've come Mm -hmm. um, and really appreciate those experiences. So we're going to be playing a couple episodes for you from the past, uh, particularly about camperreport.com, which is one of our previous websites, actually before I even got here three years ago. But um, it's been sold Mm -hmm. a long time ago. It's one of the ones that uh, Jim and Ricky had. And so we're going to play a couple episodes about the inception of the website, and then some things that they were working on at the time, such as traffic, monetization. And so we just want you to hear that. And this is going to be a little bit of a series after this podcast in particular, we're actually going to bring in Ricky Mm -hmm. and talk about kind of the whole process of that website. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. So we we wanted to do something a little bit different, um, hitting the 200 podcast episode mark. Um, And so we thought it'd be really cool to kind of revisit some of the topics that we've talked about in the past. And season one, episode one of this podcast um, was actually talking about Camper Report. So we're going to go way back to the beginning. Uh, We're going to give you guys a little uh, peek back into the history of Camper Report. And then like Anna said, in the next podcast episode, we're going to break it down. We're going to break everything down, uh, you know, what we did, why we did it. Um, and if there was anything we would do differently now. Right. Um, and we're going to see kind of how things have changed in the industry. And hopefully it'll be kind of an insightful look at where the industry is at now yeah. and where it's been and uh, what we're going to do going forward. Yeah. This website, as far as I know, was pretty successful. Yes. Yep. And um, we didn't have it a whole you know, mm-hmm. long time. But yeah, they did a really good job. And as far as I remember, it didn't have a whole lot of articles on it as well. Yeah, the original batch of articles that were on it were written by Jim. And mm-hmm. then we had some freelance writers. And that was where the majority of the, I would say, success of the website was. We did end up having uh, the Creator Studio write some articles on it. And those uh, did do some, They, you know, they it did gain some traffic from those articles, but we ended up finding that by writing a lot more of those articles, we were kind of taking traffic from the original posts. So the majority of the value was from those original posts. Um, and these first episodes that we're going to play for you, like uh, we said, they are just going to give you a look into what was going on with Camper Report at the time. It was underperforming at mm-hmm. the time these episodes were originally filmed back in 2018. Um, and Jim and Ricky want to take a look and see what they could do to improve it. And so mm-hmm. in each episode of season one, they walked through a different portion of mm-hmm. the website and then they made improvements and then they reported on the improvements in the podcast. So hopefully you guys get a little bit from these episodes we're going to play. We're not going to play the whole season for you. Obviously, that'd be a lot. But if you want to go back and listen to the season um, just to get a little bit of context, that would be awesome. And then we'll break it down for you next time. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just super interested because I wasn't even here mm-hmm. Um you know, I arrived after the sale of the site. So I'm interested to see what Ricky has to say, how things have probably changed. I'm assuming as far as our uh, tactics and the way we found topics. Um, So I'm really excited to have this discussion. So please enjoy these episodes and we will have another discussion in the next episode. 
Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of the Project 24 podcast. Uh, we have tons coming for you today. First, we want to talk about kind of the, some things going on in the Project 24 community, what to expect from this podcast, and then we're going to take you on a deep dive behind our niche sites. And season one of this podcast is all about our site Camper Report. That's right. So first of all, let's give you a little bit of background on what's going to happen in this podcast. Uh, this season you're going to have uh, eight episodes and they're going to walk you through different things that we're going to do, action steps on Camper Report. Today, we're going to talk about the current state. What's up with Camper Report? How's it doing? What's wrong with Camper Report? What are we going to do over the next six weeks? Yeah, and the whole purpose of this is uh, not to be too self-indulgent, but the purpose is to show you all the behind-the-scenes stuff of what's making our sites tick um, and also where we're failing and testing and trying new things so that you don't have to on your own sites. Uh, so we hope to include lots of helpful nuggets. The real purpose of this podcast is just to give you a way uh, to learn more about creating your websites and internet marketing while you're commuting to work, while you're exercising, whatever. You know, we have lots of video content for you to watch at a computer, but we want to fill as much of your time as possible with learning so that you can get quick progress. Awesome. So we're going to give you guys the numbers that we don't give uh, out publicly because uh, our job is to help you guys to be successful. So we want to give you all the nitty gritty here. That's right. I'm, I'm, probably going to get even more specific than you guys want, but we won't get too number heavy. First of all, let's talk about the traffic of Camper Report. The traffic is actually popping. It's doing really, really well. Um, this site is now about a year and a half old, maybe just a little bit more than that since the first article was published. At the end of last summer, when the site was about one year old, the traffic had hit just under 70,000. Um, those were kind of in the July, August months. And it's a site about campers and camping, so it's it's going to be pretty seasonal. Um, then we saw a little bit of a... It stagnated and then dropped a little in the winter. We totally expected that. But then January and February hit around 90,000. And in March, the traffic, as the season started to get back into swing, uh, traffic popped up to 123,974 page views. That's, That's the number insane. we're talking about. It's I know, totally it's nuts. ridiculous. <laughs> 123,000 page views. around 40 posts. 40 posts. I, I mean, that's just crazy that 40 posts could bring in 123,000 page views. We've, we've spent very, very little time developing this site. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we noticed is, you know, we're busy with so many different websites and projects right now that like one day we were looking through our Google Analytics and it was like, Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> um, and so what you're going to see now is we, we want to kind of go through our to-do list. Um, as we talk about the income on the site, you're going to see, whoa, the income is much lower than what certainly we would want to see yeah. from that number of page views. And the reason is that we started this as a passive site a year and a half ago, and we've done nothing to change it right. since then. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about taking this site and you're going to see over the next four five or six weeks as we do different episodes each week on different things we're doing to the site i think we're going to get the income up to four thousand a month uh from this site or more pretty fast yeah yeah um so let me let me just kind of tell you where it's at okay um in march the site earned only $1,641.64. I told you I'd be specific. That was 100% from Amazon Associates. 
We had we, no ads. No ads, no other monetization of any kind, no other affiliate programs. We have had one writer working on that site posting two articles a month for about a year now, and she just continues to post new stuff. We have a hit list for her. And we're paying two cents a word. And we're paying two cents a word for that. Now, that number is only about $200 more than the high point last summer, which was about July. And so that, again, that's a lot lower than we would expect from a page or from a site with over 120,000 page views. So what's what's missing? Well, we just said there's no ads. There's no other monetization. Um, we haven't actually completed Project 24 on this because we never built a resources page. Mm-hmm. I think there are eight YouTube videos. There are plenty of posts, but we never built that resources page. So even our monetization isn't perfect. No, yeah. So I think for the affiliate income, the resources page is the major miss right here. Um, I don't know really, I guess, what to expect in terms of how that's going to impact the affiliate income. I do think we'll see a bump. I'm not quite sure how much. Um, But the one that I'm really excited to get on there uh, over this next week is to put ads on the website. Right. Um, And I think because with the page views we have, how how much would you expect to see? Let's see if we get... $12. $12. Yeah, it's usually about with Ad Thrive, where we can usually get at $12 or so per thousand page views. So, with 120,000 uh, page views, that would be $1,440 uh, month. per month. So, that's going to double the income. Um, so, just overnight, <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah. And we already have our, our uh, application in to, uh, to Ad Thrive, and we'll be talking about that in a future um, episode. But we expect that to, to be a nice bump. So we'll report yep. on that next week and tell you kind of what numbers we're seeing. There are a few other sort of things that we want to do as the site grows. We're at a point where the traffic's pretty high. Um, we're still on Bluehost and it's doing fine on Bluehost. We've, we still haven't even put an SSL on this website. Again, it's doing fine without it. But we'll see. We'll, we'll put one on and we'll see if that makes any impact in the short term. The other thing that I think is going to impact the affiliate income as well as the ad income in the long term is the fact that this is so seasonal. And um, one of the things we're going to work on is we're going to hire some more writers and we're going to start creating content that helps to balance out the seasonality. Try to write some content and look for some products that are are going to help reduce that seasonality. Yeah, so we have a plan. I can't remember. I think it's in July. We we kind of made our six-month plan for income school, and we set aside a full month that we're just going to focus on our niche sites. Um, And so Ricky's probably going to spend a lot of time at the family cabin, (laughs) and I'm going to spend a lot of time with my family in our camper. And we're just, you know, it's really fun to just, like, I go camping, and every morning before the kids wake up, I just wake up, pull out the laptop, and I'll write one article about something we're doing um, just to really generate content a bunch during month, kind of do a little sprint on our niche sites. Yeah. And I think that just giving it that kind of focus is going to make a a difference in the long term for those sites as well. So that's that's Camper Report. That's kind of where it is right now. The other episodes in this season, we're going to dive into different things. Next week, we're going to uh, talk about monetization with AdThrive. We'll have a little bit of some numbers to show you how it's be, how it's performing so far because we you know we we should have some numbers coming in by then. Um, then we're going to migrate the site from Bluehost and we're going to move it over to a faster uh, faster host with WP Engine. That's the way we always do it, by the way. We always start on Bluehost, then we migrate up once it gets some serious traffic. We'll talk about SSL and different things. We're going to do experiments on this site and the whole purpose of this podcast is sharing what works as we go through this process. All right, and that's it for today, guys. 
Take care and we'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode eight. Today, we're doing the wrap up of Camper Report. Everything that we've accomplished in the last seven weeks working on this website. Man, it feels like we've done a lot, but it's uh, been fairly straightforward stuff. But we've had some pretty awesome results. Yeah, amazing results. <laughs> I'm so excited to share this. Um, but also, I, w- I would just want to mention, like, you know, we've made these changes over a seven-week period. But how many hours would you say we've put into the website just over the last seven weeks? Uh, the majority of including the t- hiring writers. I, I mean, everything. <laughs> the majority of the time I've spent on the website over the last seven weeks has been. Hiring and working with these writers, especially onboarding new writers. The first article they wrote, they sent me a Word doc, so I had to go through and format it in WordPress. And so each article That's took time me. consuming. So, yeah. But, you know, all in, we're still probably talking about maybe a day, like eight hours, maybe. Uh huh. Not counting all the research I did on SiteSpeed, which I did separately. Um, because for that YouTube video, exactly. Right. Because now we have a 30 minute process to speed up your website. <laughs> uh, that just takes no time at all. Right. So, you know, we've made these changes over seven weeks, but, you know, maybe we spent a one one working day doing all this. And OK, give us the results. We can't we can't wait any longer. What did all we right. start at at the beginning <laughs> of this podcast and what are we at now? Yeah. So at the very beginning of the podcast, um, our earnings the month prior were one thousand six hundred forty one dollars and sixty four cents. That was one hundred percent from Amazon. OK, the total earnings. Well, our goal was four thousand, right? Four thousand a month by the end of this. Our earnings last month were five thousand one hundred and six dollars and four cents. Woo! Yeah, from sixteen hundred bucks to, <laughs> to 5, over five grand a month, and we spent like eight hours working on these changes. That's right. That's awesome. Once you get your website to that point where you can you can start monetizing it with ads, you can. I mean, you, once you just have enough traffic, kicking up that monetization three notches is really easy. Yeah, so that's why we've always said that like, you know, when you're here, when you're in Project 24, I know how tempting it can be to like, ah, this website won't earn any money unless I do a bunch of review posts. And I've got to have a ton of, of, you know, links everywhere to Amazon. And it's just like really trying to force the monetization throughout the whole project. And like, this is a perfect example. Like we did exactly what we've been preaching. We just left the monetization to nothing for a while. And then once we get, get the traffic, about eight hours of work and poof, it's there. Right. Like, you can monetize your website. It really is not difficult. It's getting the traffic that's the issue. So don't shoot the hardest part of the process in the foot by trying to cram monetization in there. When you're cramming in monetization, it just the fact will be it's a less helpful website because it's mostly focused on your pocketbook. And so it's just going to be harder to get the traffic. I, I just want to make sure that that message gets across that really, I promise you can leave the monetization until later and then just, I mean, flip a switch and poof, it's there. Yeah. One of the things that really stood out to me too, as I was working on this is if you start monetizing from the beginning, yes, not only is your content going to feel really product focused because that's what you're thinking about, but also you're potentially going to monetize the wrong stuff. One of the things that I um, noticed as I was you know, building out the recommended products page is I started looking at our analytics and I need to do more of this. This is a big next step for Camper Report. I started looking at our analytics at our top articles. And you know, because um, now I have data on which articles are doing really well, 
I can use those top articles to send people to our recommended products page. Or if we create an info product, I can monetize the content that's actually going to make me money as opposed to spending a bunch of time writing a product review that might not get any traffic at all. So it's a better exactly. use of time. And yeah, and we do this all the time. We just did this just a couple weeks ago on Income School. One of our top trafficked uh, articles on Income School was uh, niche site ideas. We have an article called 50 Niche Site Ideas Ripe for the Taking. And uh, the way that that post was, or our, our push, our call to action there, was to go check out Project 24. And what we found was that just had a abysmal conversion rate because nobody's just going to happen on our website, doesn't know me and Ricky at all, and all of a sudden pull out a, a wallet and spring 350 bucks out, right? It's just, it's too hard of a, of a call to action from cold traffic. Um, but, you know, if they're on our email list and they get six or seven emails from us of success stories or they're from our YouTube channel, you know, we've had time to warm them up and let us let them know who we are, then that's fine. That's, that's a perfectly fine product to sell. We just needed more steps in the funnel to get there. So all we did is we looked at, hey, you know, we have this new lead magnet, which is, uh, you know, the Excel sheet of different niche site ideas. And so now we just look our an- on our analytics. What are our most trafficked pages? We see this 50 niche site ideas. And instead of pushing them to Project 24, now we say, oh, let's just push them to get on the email newsletter first. And bang, that page is now monetized better. It's just about creating the helpful articles. And then you can decide, all right, do I put affiliate links in here? Do I link them over to, uh, you know, how to start a website on Bluehost where we might get a Bluehost commission? We're just trying to decide what the best place to push them to is. And that part of running a website is amazingly fun. It's <laughs> so more, fun because fun you turn it on today and tomorrow you already know what the result was. You already know, did it work or not? It's yeah. really fun. It's awesome. Cool. Well, let me give a few more updates then. In the very first week, we talked about ads. We put ads on with Ad Thrive. In, and in that first week, you know, first week or two, we were able to show some pretty good numbers. Last month, Camper Report earned $3,137 just in ads with 126000 665 page views. So traffic has gone up a little bit since we put the ads on there. Um, but the ad revenue has been awesome. It's just huge. And it's funny because I saw a comment on YouTube recently. Somebody said, you can't make money with ads anymore because everybody uses ad blockers. It's like, it just can't be done. I'm like, well, okay, sorry, <laughs> but it's it's done. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's right. I totally agree with that. And I actually think the future of ads is just getting stronger yeah. and stronger. I'm seeing ad revenues you know, per thousand visitors going up and up and up, not the other way around. I think that is a lot of people's impression is that ads are dying on the web. And what the way that I always respond to that is, do you think Google one of the most powerful companies in the world is going to let that happen? No, <laughs> they will not let that happen. Well, and, and people make the assumption that, well, I use an ad blocker and my friends who are computer programmers use ad blockers. And so everybody uses ad blockers. Right. That's not how it yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. All the, if this ever did become a problem, it's going to become a problem for Google way before it's a problem for us because a little 1% change in their revenue is Huge. billions of dollars. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, Google controls Chrome browser. All they're going to do is just 
stop ad blockers, right? You know, they're, or they're going to restrict it to only block, you know, uh, autoplay videos and stuff, which Google doesn't right. do anyway. So it's, I, I just, I'm not concerned about that. I can see why people are concerned for it. It's perfectly legitimate, but there are too many extremely powerful companies relying on ads to let that become a problem. Right. They, they just, they control the operating systems, the browsers, the places where they could just put an end to this. And so there's no way they're going to let that eat their lunch. Okay, a couple more updates. Um, the site speed, the SSL certificate, those we said at the time, they didn't make any noticeable improvement. Um, still the case, we expect those to be sort of just kind of maintenance, um, keeping keeping traffic growing at the rate that it is. If you, if you ignore site speed and you don't put an SSL on your site in the long term, it may be detrimental. Let's just go ahead and do it because it's easy and it doesn't cost you anything. Anyway, right. uh, yeah, there are just kind of things we did, not yeah. really ways to improve the revenue per se, just, okay, this is getting to be a serious site. We, let's have some solid technology. Yep. Um, when I made the recommended products page, I didn't see a big improvement in affiliate income. There are a couple of reasons for this. One, I don't think, um, well, just in general, we didn't make it super complete. Um, no. I went through and I, I pulled out a lot of our product review type content. I put it on a nice page. But I, I didn't do a whole lot with it. Uh, I mentioned one of the big next steps that we need is to go through maybe our top 10, top 20 visited posts on the site and wherever it makes sense to link from those to the recommended products page and to monetize those articles. I, I just didn't spend the time I needed to on that. I feel like a recommended products page, if done right, is probably a little bit more than an afternoon project. Um, yeah. This is where you got to put the time in, make good recommendations. We had some good product content, but it was in posts and stuff and I didn't... I didn't take the time to really organize it well on a recommended products page. So I, I, you know, that's kind of on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And you're right. It is more time consuming to do a really good job of that. I can't remember how long I spent on Dirt Bike Planet, but I, I mean, I wanted that to be like the ideal recommended products page for what I like to see. And I can't remember how, but, but it is time consuming to make it look nice and custom. But, but the other thing uh, that kind of plays in here is that uh, our income from Amazon was $1,900 uh, last month and from AdThrive, $3,100. Yep. So it's like, it's a lot more from ads than Amazon. Um, and so that, that doesn't mean that, you know, we should just leave Amazon then. I mean, obviously that's still a very significant piece. And I do think we could increase it uh, by doing exactly what you're talking about. But in terms of monetizing the site, um, you know, we've been talking about this on this podcast. I think first ads, second Amazon now. I would have to agree. And I think that if you can find a place where it makes sense to bring in products from outside Amazon is going to be a good move. You can get much higher commissions outside of Amazon. And Amazon's just been slowly cutting it back. I, I don't know. I don't know about the future of Amazon. Nobody does um, except Amazon. But I would not be surprised to see them continue to cut back. I mean, people are going to Amazon first for a lot of the things they're shopping for. At what mm -hmm. point does Amazon not need us anymore? And it, it may not be that far away. Yeah, and we've talked about this before that like it it is strange that they reduce the percentage commission. Um, oh, this was what what so I guess about a year ago that yep. this happened. Um, they reduced the percentage commission, and it seems like it would have made more sense to me if they just wanted a bigger piece of the pie only. That they would have stopped that. You know, if I rec if I recommend a tent and you end up buying a you know, uh, 
vacuum cleaner that I still get 8% of or whatever 4% of that vacuum cleaner. So it just it seems strange to me that they didn't change that. It seems like the most obvious change they could have made is just I'll only give you the commission for the specific thing that you recommended. Um, but they didn't do that. They instead changed the percentage of each item that you're getting. And to me, that's actually a good sign that they're not, you know, trying to to slowly kill this program over time or anything like that. It was just that like, hey, yeah, we have razor thin margins on this. Yeah. And uh, so we, we can't lose money on products. And so I that's kind of how I felt with it. So I, I feel very strong about the continuing availability of that program. I don't think we'll see another price cut uh, in the foreseeable future. But so I think Amazon is there to stay and I'm not moving away from it. But at the same time, yeah, on on all of our websites that are at least 100,000 page views, I'm more excited about ads than Amazon. For sure. And, and I should note that big changes like that, like Amazon getting rid of their affiliate program or... You know, people ask all the time about Google making big changes to how search works and whatever. You know, these big like internet changing changes, they don't happen as fast as people think they're going to happen. And so even if Amazon is eventually going to get rid of their affiliate program, we're probably talking about many years from now. It's not time to jump ship. <laughs> right. So right. Not worrying. at all. All yeah. right. The next thing I want to talk about was writers, um, hiring writers. I talked about how we had... Um, you know, there were 15 people that I sent out uh, an offer to, not an offer for a job, but I, but more like an offer to write an article for our website. Um, most of them said that they were still interested and really want, and they were really excited about it. So um, I gave all of them the opportunity to uh, to write an article. From that group, I got three articles. <laughs> Those three articles were all good, and all of them have been offered a contract position to stay. And I think that that is important to note because. When, I hi- when we hired in the past through ProBlogger, we got a lot of articles that weren't very good. In this mm-hmm. case, we were, we were taking writers who applied directly on our website. So these are people who are not writers. They are um, they're RVers and they're camper enthusiasts. These are people who are interested in, our, in the content we're creating. And so we've got you know, a couple of retired people who are wanting to write part-time and, and RV full-time. And that is exactly the kind of person we want. An update to that, though, was that since the time that we recorded that podcast, three more applications have been submitted. And I responded to all three, and all three of them within like a week had submitted an article. So that just kind of goes to show that if you respond quickly when people apply, if you follow that course that we created on hiring writers, if when people apply, you respond within a couple of days, they're way more likely to have this job as you know top of mind and they'll probably get back to you really quick. If they see you are really responsive, they're going to be quick to get back to you um, much more often. And uh, and if that happens, you're going to get writers much more quickly and a much higher percentage of your applicants will turn into good writers. Like I said, all three of those applications um, turned into an article. All three of those articles were good. They're all on the website. And uh, each one of them has been offered a position and they've all they've all submitted paperwork. So anyway, you'll get a much higher percentage, I think, if you're if you're more responsive. Yeah, I, I think that's good. And that's uh, something that we have been talking about a lot is it's time for us to get real serious about exactly how we're going to do that. <laughs> I mean, how are we going to get our, our goal is an article a day on yeah. Camper Report. Um, we need to do the same thing on 
income school. We need to do the same thing on Dirt Bike Planet. I, you know, I, I mean, ideally, I'd like to have the same thing. Yeah. And so um, that is a really massive undertaking to, to kind of reach that goal. We're getting, we need to get better and better and better at how can we have a lot of people uh, submitting content with as, le- as least amount of work as possible for us. Yeah, and just kind of having gone both routes of one, trying to hire people that are bloggers versus trying to hire people who are um, just interested in the the topic of the website. It's just been so much easier and I'm getting so much, such better content in general from the people who are interested you know, in the topic, people that apply directly on our website that I don't know that I really want to go another route. Now, the only downside to that is the number of applications you get is probably very proportionate to the page views you're getting, the traffic you're getting on your website. So if your site is brand new, you're just not getting enough traffic probably to get a whole lot of interested writers. And so if you're really early on on a website and you're trying to hire writers, uh, you're pro- you may have to go the route of going to a job board and finding a writer, um, at least in the short term. And you know some of them turn out to be awesome. We ended up with one writer uh, when we did that last time who's stuck with us now for, I wanna say it's been a couple of years. And she's just writing really awesome stuff, even in the camper niche. You know, she's just doing great. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to say you can't get an awesome freelance blogger by going through that route as well. Right. Yeah. And the content going up right now is really good. It's it's really nice to have people who know uh, campers uh, uh-huh. writing some of this stuff because it just opens up the keywords that we can tackle. Um, you know, things like, can I tow a travel trailer with a propane fridge running? Well, if you own an RV, you know, that's a really good question. That's a, <laughs> that's a great one to, to, to write on. And it's really only, I mean, it's going to just take you a lot of research to even get it if you don't have a camper yourself. And so that's, a, that's the other tricky thing about hiring riders is, in some topics, you know, just the topic of your website, it may be a piece of cake. On others, it could be really hard uh, because it just uh, takes some specialized knowledge. And so that's something that we're factoring into just the niches we choose going forward is like, okay, is this so specialized that I'm going to need to write everything or find just the right person who happens to have this specialized knowledge? Or is this something that's like, you know, it is something that people would type into Google, but, you know, most people could figure this out with, with some basic research. And that's the kind of website that I'm more interested in. Right. Yeah. So okay. lots, lots has happened <laughs> over the seven-week period of time. I did, you know, we spent some time updating the hit list. I added some stuff that'll be more likely to be searched in the winter just so that we can keep our ad revenue up, knowing that our product revenue is going to go down. Right. And that was, again, really weird that um, we saw Amazon revenue plummeted during the winter because nobody's, well, fewer people are actually RVing and buying things for their RVs. But traffic stayed about the same because people who like RVs are just interested. They're just still searching (laughs) stuff and looking at what RV they're going to get in the spring and things like that. So that was really cool to see. I don't know if I've quite seen that same pattern in any other niches that I've been in. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that does this winter because, yeah, last winter we saw no real dip in traffic. Um, And if that maintains this winter, you know, this will still be a three, four plus thousand dollar website all winter long well and plus we're adding new content we have been for a few months and so it's very possible that we'll keep that same five thousand 
dollars a month even throughout the winter. Yep. Uh, in fact, that may be even my guess with the new content that we're adding. Okay, so awesome. Uh, I mean, we could not be more thrilled uh, with the progress we've seen uh, on the website, but there's still so much to do uh, going forward. Um, kind of our our next steps, kind of in the next six months, let's talk about some of those things. And then also, you know, what's the, what's the ultimate goal? What's the future with Camper Report? Where are we going from here? Yep. So, you know, obviously adding more writers is critical. Uh, we want to get 100 articles by October um, on the website. We're not quite on track with that, um, but we, we are moving. And so, you know, to meet our goal, we may, you and me may have to just kind of <laughs> dedicate a, few, a week yeah. to get something crunched out, but we'll get there one way or the other. Adding affiliate products like you, uh, like you mentioned from Amazon and working more on the recommended products, but also it's time that we look outside of Amazon for more affiliate products. In fact, it's kind of weird that we haven't done that already. Right. Yeah. I mean, we just need to go to share sale and commission junction and just see what's available. Um, you know, a couple that are jumping to mind are like lead gen for RV insurance. I think that's a great market to be in. Uh, I've taken a look. I've never owned one, uh, owned a niche site that was, you know, lead gen. It was just looking to get people's name and phone number for insurance or college, things like that, uh, where you're really just selling the information that people type in. You know, you say, hey, you know, you want want to get a few quotes on, on RV insurance, you know, give me your email here and I'll send you the quotes. And then you take that and you pass that off to an insurance guy um, who then, who sells RV insurance, who then gets to them with that. Uh, so lead gen can be very lucrative on a niche website, very lucrative. So that's one that I definitely want to check out for RV insurance. And there are also things that we should look into like, uh, you know, kind of a triple A kind of deal, but for oh, RVs. Right. Yep. Um, so that's another that uh, we could look at as well as like, uh, oh, what's it called? Reserve America kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. we should look at uh, renting campsites kind of thing. Like I just, I think there are a lot of affiliate options that we just haven't taken advantage of yet. Yeah, absolutely. The other well, stuff we kind of talked about, um, definitely need to go back, use our top pages, top posts, to send more traffic to um, obviously not just the recommended products page, but these other things you're talking about. Basically, we just need to do a better job of probably monetizing our content in the way that makes the most sense without spamming our, our audience. Yeah, but at the same, yeah, I think there's a lot we could do. I think if we, you know, really focused on this and spent time, I think it's probably possible to double the amount of income we're getting from this website with the current level of traffic. Yeah. But frankly, I feel like that's probably not as good of a use of our time um, because it just gets harder. You know, it's harder to squeak out that last thousand because you just have to test more things, add more things, and eventually it's going to start feeling a little spammy mm -hmm. uh, that there's calls to action everywhere. And so I, I think with 125,000 page views, I would like to do these four, these steps that we just mentioned and, you know, maybe eke out another thousand, maybe 1500 yeah. from the current traffic that we're getting. But after that point, I would rather just focus on adding new content to just increase the volume of traffic to the website. I feel like that's going to be a more reliable win than really trying to cram an extra thousand out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of is a good lead into our kind of final discussion for this episode talking a little bit about kind of what's the future 
of this site, all of our sites, you know, where are we going from here? Uh, we've had a lot yeah. of conversations around this and I'm kind of in- excited to, to talk a little bit about where we're going. So this all happened accidentally. <laughs> yeah. um, all of this was accidental. You and I have both loved outdoor stuff forever. In high school, we would go archery bow hunting for deer uh, together and uh, we've always loved that kind of stuff. And we live in Idaho. Idaho is a very outdoor yeah. kind of place. And so, you know, as it just kind of happened, we ended up with a lot of outdoors websites. Um, we have Camp Report. We have Dirt Bike Planet. We have Cabin Freedom. I sold Knife Up. That would have worked nicely into it. But also, we just bought an archery website, and we're considering fishing for our new niche website uh, to start sometime after October. And so we have five websites in the outdoor industry. They are all distinct. They all have a specific purpose, and there's not really a whole lot of overlap there. I mean, would somebody in dirt bikes interested in dirt bikes also be interested in an RV? Well, maybe and maybe not. And so it's not that they're overlapping, but they're all clustered in that outdoors niche. And so the question is, do we create one Mongo Outdoors website or do we proceed exactly how we have it? Yeah, big question. And we've been asked this many times. Should I create one big website with a whole bunch of different silos, you know, or or do we just keep these websites separate? Uh, We've talked a lot about this. We don't know which answer is necessarily the best, but as far as the web goes, I still kind of feel like if you have content in, in various silos where each silo isn't isn't really applicable to the other silos, they probably belong on separate websites, but I think there's something we can do to, uh, to leverage the fact that we're in this big outdoor space. Yeah, so let's say I, you know, Google something like, uh, oh, my dirt bike won't start. And, you know, just I generally need some ideas on how to get this dirt bike to start. Like, give me just the troubleshooting guide, right? Well, if the first result is on dirtbikeplanet.com and the second result is on outdoorexpert.com and everything else is about the same, which one do you click on? Yeah. Well, obviously, dirtbikeplanet.com. It's specific to dirt bike. It just gives the Googler, the Google searcher, that extra confidence that this has the answer for you. And so I don't believe that keywords in the in the title of the website are like this magic thing that some suddenly pumps up your SEO. Right. I think yeah. really that's the benefit is people are going to click on it more because right. it gives them confidence. Because uh, you see the URL right there in every Google search result. And so I feel like that's really powerful to to have that, you know, this is, is a whole website exactly about what you're searching about. At the same time, there are some negatives to having the website separate. Uh, three that come to mind. One, uh, you have to run three websites and just the technology behind mm-hmm. them. Two, you have to, I'm, we're not saying build links, but I'm just saying links do have value in SEO. And while we aren't actively building them, they will come naturally. And if it's all on one website, well, guess what? That just made your job a lot easier um, because we have, you know, they're all together. So when one one website gets a link that, you know, it gets a link for all that content, at least to the domain. And then the third is, ads. Ads are going to do much better with a big website that has a lot of credibility or renown in that space. 
people, you know, companies that are advertising want to be advert want to be associated with well-known brands in the industry. And so if we have smaller websites and we're, we've diluted that into a bunch of different outdoors things, it does hurt ad revenue. So there really are benefits and drawbacks to this whole thing. I think we're after many, many hours of discussing this, Ricky and I are kind of landing toward let's keep these websites separate, keep them on their own domain specific to that niche, but to have a YouTube channel that then pushes all of them. So tell us about that. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm actually really excited for this YouTube channel because yes, while while running multiple different websites, five different outdoors websites, who knows how many more will come in the future. It's going to be a lot of work. Managing five different YouTube channels, I think would just be crazy. And oh, so, it couldn't be done. <laughs> it's just too much. Oh man, just keeping up with uh, with what we have is, is enough. But um. But anyway, so here's the idea. We're building one big outdoors YouTube channel. We're actually going to build it off of the Camper Report YouTube channel, which only has eight videos on it, yet still somehow has over a million views in the last year, uh, which is pretty and awesome. And 7,000 subscribers. And over 7,000 subscribers. So that kicks, that kicks this off really, really well. Um, we're going to rebrand it to just to uh, just our own outdoor brand, and, and we'll own the URL for that brand as well, just so that other people don't try to piggyback off that. But really, this will be one big YouTube channel in the outdoor space where we'll be able to talk about all these different outdoors topics. Some people are going to be interested in some, not other videos, and that's okay. But then each video will point to its respective website, depending on what the topic is. Right. So we've talked about uh, how we're going to brand this one overarching brand that will then push each of the individual websites. And we thought one idea, this is like, if you watch the show Home Improvement with Tim Allen... (laughs) You know, Al Borland was always in flannel, and so we thought it might be just kind of fun if we called the the YouTube channel Flannel Outdoors, and then uh, we just wear a flannel uh, shirt while we're doing the tutorials, you know, like a lumberjack, uh, and then whatever, we're talking about dirt bikes or campers or fishing or archery or whatever, but we just thought it would be kind of a fun, memorable gimmick to have for the channel. But then, you know, we may do a video about dirt bikes one day and the next day it's about RVs. And so the question is, what is that going to do to our subscribers who, you know, maybe a hardcore dirt biker, but not at all interested in RVs? And, and that still is a problem. The it same is. problem exists, but we just know there's no way we're going to be running five, six YouTube channels. It takes too long to create a video, edit it, etc., publish in addition to all the content. And so we feel like that's at least manageable. And then we're going to try to make the content on the websites not too nerdy in any of the niches. Um, so, you know, maybe we aren't going to do, you know, something like a, how to winterize a Jayco 24FS trailer because, okay, that's pretty specific for the dirt, bike, dirt biking audience. But, you know, look at this awesome toy hauler could absolutely be interesting to both the RV audience and the dirt bike audience. So... We're hoping that we can make that channel in a way that 
doesn't too much alienate people that are only specific to to certain genres within outdoors, but instead kind of kind of put out content that anybody interested in outdoors could at least be somewhat interested in. And so we're going to just change the name of the Camper Report YouTube channel. We're just going to change the name to Flannel Outdoors or whatever we finally decide on. I also think that if we can keep just a, just a fun, lighthearted, and you know even try to add some quirky humor <laughs> to our videos then um which you guys are all really really uh getting used to then uh you know hopefully we'll be able to to build up an audience that's interested in not only the tutorials and the information in the videos but they're not going to want to leave just because they like the way that we present information and they just they'll just choose to watch the videos that they're interested in yeah, I, I, that is the hope, and that's why we wanted to do something a little bit gimmicky, kind of fun, with the, the with the branding, <laughs> so that hopefully people can enjoy the content, even if they aren't as interested in in the specific content of that video. So I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited for what uh, what that can become, and it's at least manageable for us. Then Camper Report itself, um, I man, I just feel like the sky is the limit for this website. Yeah. This is one that I just really feel like I, I want this website to be a pillar in the RVing kind of community. Whereas a lot of the sites, you know, it's 30 pages, it is what it is, and we kind of leave it there. That's not how I feel about Camper Report. I want to continually add content to it. And uh, I, I hate to say build a community because that's not really what I want. I don't want to feel like I have to serve these people constantly. It's still more about a passive content that people are going to find on SEO and, and enjoy and then move on. Uh, but, but I want it to be more authoritative than some of our other websites. Like I can envision that we have a full-time employee on this website who, where there's a, you know, a major conference or where, you know, all the RV brands are showing off their new trailers for the year. I can envision having an employee who flies out there and covers that and puts the content on the website. So I I have kind of bigger thoughts for this one. Very exciting. I'm excited for the future of this site. Well, that is our first season of the podcast on camperreport.com. If it doesn't get you excited, then this just isn't the right the right industry for you. Because, I mean, to go from where we started eight weeks ago on the podcast to now is just awesome um, to get up to $5,000, over $5,000 a month. It's just really, really fun uh, to see that kind of progress. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Hope it's been enjoyable. Hope you're doing great on your websites and uh, thanks everybody for participating. Bye. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but is not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because, like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.